Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Hope you're doing good today. I hope you are. are uh, anybody get out this weekend and go shopping? Amen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy out there, but uh, man, I hope you're really enjoying the Christmas season. We are in a Christmas series that's going to go all the way through Christmas Eve, and let me kind of tell you where we've been. We've looked at the prophet Isaiah as he proclaimed the coming of a Savior. Uh, that was our first week in this series, and then in week number two, uh, we looked at the story of Mary and her perspective on having Jesus, birthing a Savior. Today, we're going to look at the shepherds, and then after the shepherds, we're going to also be looking at, at the wise men, and who am I forgetting in this story? There's one more. Who? Well, yeah, that's the Sunday school answer, Jesus. But the, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Today, though, think with me just for a moment uh, about the imagery we have in our minds about all of these characters I'm talking about. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but most of the mental images that we have today, think with me, uh, of the account of the true Christmas story, they come from really two different places. They either come from old medieval art or... They come from old Christmas cards. And so you think about that for a minute. I want you to just envision some of the artwork you've seen over the years on old Christmas cards. And I think you'll know what I'm talking about. For example, when you see the manger scene on a Christmas card, almost always it's, it's like warm and it's cozy and it looks so comfortable and it's just so pleasant. Or you see the wise men arriving and, and the wise men are arriving with their gifts and it looks as if their gifts have been wrapped by the Neiman Marcus department store. And it's like, man, that is the most beautiful thing ever. But church, listen, the truth is we see the wise men delivering the gifts to the baby in the manger, but the truth is the wise men didn't probably arrive till about two years later. Jesus is now, you know, uh, in his terrible twos. And so there's that. The, the Christmas cards don't represent that correctly. And then I want you to think about this. Think about the animals in the manger. We only want the cute animals, right? The cute little fluffy warm animals in the manger. But I got to ask the question, like, where are the goats? Where are the goats in the manger scene? You don't see them there. And so the reason I'm talking to you about this is that today, as we look at the shepherds, I believe we also completely misinterpret who the shepherds were. For most of us, we think about the shepherds as being these, these kind, gentle men. Here again, we, we see them on the Christmas cards. And so these kind, gentle shepherds, we think of them as if they're like singing songs by the campfire. You know what song they're singing. My Lord. We think of it, and, and I'm, I don't even know if teenagers today know the song Kumbaya. How many teenagers you're like, I've never heard that song in my life? Well, okay, that surprises me. 
I'm glad to know that you're very well educated, okay? So we think of those kind of images. It's, it's comforting. It's, it's, it's this pastoral image. But listen to me. If you do some research and look at the history in the first century, shepherds were generally scorned. They, they were quite often kind of dishonest, drifter kind of guys. And in fact, it was pretty common for them to take their flocks to graze on land, which they did not even have permission to take their flocks onto. And so you're like, man, what are you talking about? Why are you going in this direction? It's very important as we look at the Bible today. I want you to understand all these, all the happy hallmark type imagery that we see on Christmas cards. It's not a good representation of the shepherds. And here's why this really matters. There is deep truth about our faith. Listen to me, don't miss this. There is deep truth about Christianity in the fact that God sent the angels to share the good news first with the shepherds. If you and I would have been in charge of this whole thing, I'm guessing most of us would have done it radically different. I think we would have planned the announcement from the angels differently. We would have probably had the angels shouting from the mountaintops, parading through the streets of Jerusalem. I don't think any of us would have planned it as God had it planned. Maybe we would have wanted the angels to, to go to the temple to tell all the religious leaders what was happening. Maybe we would have preferred that the angels would, would have gone to Bethlehem. They should have gone maybe to King Herod to tell him that the true king of kings was about to be born. Church, listen to me. But the angels, instead of telling someone super important, they first announced the birth of Messiah to this ragtag group of shepherds. I don't think that's what any of us would have done. But church, this is the way God wanted it to be. If you're taking notes today, I'm going to give you three truths from the text we're going to look at. Truth number one is this, based on the account that we're going to study today. Jesus came for ordinary people. Jesus came for ordinary people. In this account of the Christmas story that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 2, we discover the pure heart of God. This is the real picture of Jesus, the Savior, who sent not only to the lowly, to the shepherds, but even to the outcast. So God announces the birth of Messiah. He doesn't send the angel to the religious elite. He doesn't send the angel to the politically savvy. But instead, he announces the birth by sending the angel to the shepherds. Look at the text with me in Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. And in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, and they were keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
today in the city of David. A Savior was born for you who is Messiah, the Lord. And so the angels came to the shepherds. And if you think about the life of a shepherd, the the, the night that the angels came, the shepherds were doing what they did every single day, what they did every single night. They were real people going through the routines of life, living ordinary lives. And so I want you to make the parallel with me when we think about what the birth of Jesus Christ is really all about. It's truly about God meeting each of us not only on the the highest holy days, but God meeting us, church, listen to me, on the ordinary days, in the ordinary places, but he does that in an extraordinary way. The birth of Jesus is about God coming to each one of us in our everyday lives. You come into this gym this morning. Some of you are having an awesome week. Some of you are having a difficult week. Some of you feel great. Some of you feel terrible. And yet God comes to us. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm here to proclaim good news to you today. And so the birth of a Savior, think about this. It's about God meeting us even for those of us who might find ourselves this weekend in some pain, in loneliness. It's about God meeting us who might this week be in the midst of some frustration or even some anger. It's about God meeting us tomorrow morning when we'd rather not go do what we know we are going to be doing. And it's about God wanting to be a part of our lives Every single day. When you think about it, isn't it awesome that we see God sent the angels to the shepherds first and it's so that we might know that his son Jesus really is for all people. For all people. I want to tell you about a man that I met several years ago named Bill Odie. The first time I met Bill, he was, he was dressed in some worn-out, hand-me-down looking Western wear. Uh, Bill was wearing an old cowboy hat, and uh, Bill stuttered a lot when he talked. It was almost difficult to understand him. He stuttered so much. But over a period of several months, as I got to know Bill, I began to learn about his heart, and Bill had a heart to serve people and to serve the Lord. Bill had moved to Oklahoma City uh, to work at a place called the Grace Rescue Mission, a mission for homeless men in downtown Oklahoma City. And he worked there full-time as a volunteer, no pay, but in exchange for him serving there, they allowed him to, you know, have a little kind of an apartment. Well, I wouldn't even call it an apartment. A space in an upstairs corner of the rescue mission. But as I got to know Bill, here's what I want to share with you. Bill ended up teaching Uh, a middle school boys Sunday school class at the church that I was at at that time. Bill loved to study God's word. And what what I noticed about Bill, he was always more than willing to help serve with any need there was. And and my wife would vouch for this. I could stand up here and tell lots of stories about old Bill Odie. Lots Lots of funny stories about Bill. 
But at the end of the day, God allowed me to serve alongside Bill to see firsthand how our Lord absolutely loves to use ordinary people in extraordinary ways. God wants to do that in your life. I would say the same thing is happening right here, Hope Fellowship Church. We just mentioned a couple of ladies who really went above and beyond this week, and and I say this week, for the past month and a half really, to coordinate an incredible ministry to children here at elementary. But, But God is using... A lot of us, we're all pretty ordinary people in some extraordinary ways for his glory. Take a time out. Let me do a commercial. Perhaps you would like to be used in a very ordinary way this Friday morning at about 6.30 a.m. Oh, really? I've been saying to myself, why aren't we doing this now for eight years? Um, Every single year, the school does a little Christmas program, and they choose to do it on the Friday morning at the beginning of Christmas break. You guys that go to Rutherford County Schools, you know that uh, it's a short day. And so here at Rock Springs Elementary, instead of the kids coming and, you know, getting a hug from their teacher and a candy cane, they actually will fill this gym. What they do now is they put all the children up on the bleachers who sing a Christmas program and they use our church chairs, but they're all facing the opposite direction for a Christmas program. And every year, the music teacher, and they they say, hey, can you guys come up here and help set up the sound? Yeah, we can do that. And I say to myself, man, there's a lot of people here. I bet bet a lot of these folks don't know Jesus. And so I... I emailed Mr. Lewis. I said, man, what if, we, uh, what if we just made some coffee available for all these parents this coming Friday morning? That sounds like a great idea. We would love for you to do that. So this is what I'm talking about. If you're an ordinary person who knows how to fill a coffee cup or brew, brew a pot of coffee, that too, you can come help this Friday morning. And uh, it, it'll be awesome. We've made up some little invite cards, and we're going to be able to invite all these parents to come join us for Christmas Eve service as well. So if you want to do that, that's my commercial. God desires to use each of us in an extraordinary way. And in the birth of a Savior, we see God meeting each of us exactly where we are. Truth number one, Jesus came for ordinary people. Here's truth number two I want to share with you. Jesus often shows up when we least expect him. It's hard to, and we have a little bit of a hint, but it's hard to imagine exactly how the shepherds reacted that night. My guess is they were, we use the phrase, scared to death. I think it was legit. I think they were scared to death. In the shepherds' minds, for these men, the appearance of angels probably was more like a bad omen. Follow me. It's like in their minds, they might have been thinking, this is God. He's bringing his wrath down upon us. We've led these sheep onto someone else's property, and now we're about to be struck by lightning, and here comes the angel to do it. But the exact opposite happened. 
Instead, to remove their fears, the angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy because today a Savior is born. And with those words from the angel, the heavens opened up with glorious music. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, there are parts of Scripture that I read, and I'm like, you know, top 10 list of things I want to be at. This is one of them. This is one of the top 10 for me when the heavens open up and the, the heavenly angelic chorus begins to sing. I just feel like this concert we read about has to be as good as it gets. Have any of you ever been to Vince Gill and Amy Grant at the Ryman for the Christmas thing? Yes? No? It's awesome. But that's not as awesome, I don't think, as what happened in God's Word. Maybe you're not into Vince and Amy. Maybe you're more into the orchestra. And you decide, I'm going to go to the Nashville Orchestra, the symphony, to hear them perform Handel's Messiah. I've not done that. I'm sure it's really good. But I don't think it's as good as what we read about in God's Word. And the Bible says, the heavenly chorus praised God and said, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. And so in the middle of this very ordinary night, ordinary shepherds experience an extraordinary God. And so the shepherds, I would suggest, had to be incredibly surprised that God showed up that night in their ordinariness. Most of you know um, that my dad passed away when I was only 21 years old. He had been sick, and, and we knew he was continuing to get worse. And so leading up to his death that Christmas, my dad died in March, but that Christmas, everybody knew, all our friends, our family knew his time was limited and a group of people who had been former choir members, my dad served in a church as a part-time choir director. My mom was the church pianist. They decided they wanted to surprise my dad and our family, and just a couple of nights before Christmas, they got together about 50 or 60 people, former choir members, and they all came over, and they began to sing Christmas carols to, to Carol, my dad, and, and our family. And as we all gathered there on the front porch, all these people are out there standing in our lawn, I will never, ever forget that beautiful night. Yes, there were tears, but there was this promise of such joy and such peace. And, and on that night, for just a few brief moments, Jesus showed up in the most beautiful way. And I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. True peace met us that night. I was not expecting that. And I was reminded of the words of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who promised this. Kent, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And as the body of Christ came together, God used them for his glory at a very unexpected moment of time, in a very unexpected way. And I believe it was a similar type situation that special night that God met the shepherds when they were least expecting that to happen. 
There's a third truth in this text that we see as we look at the perspective of the shepherds, and that's this. Number three, sometimes seeing is believing. I don't want you to overlook this. Now remember, the shepherds, they've just witnessed this heavenly chorus. It's all kinds of amazing. And after this powerful display of praise and singing, the shepherds really had no choice but to like go see for themselves what had happened. So you know what the Bible says? They ran off to Bethlehem to experience what the angels had told them. Look at the text, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. And when they got to Bethlehem, the Bible says, and so they hurried off, the shepherds, and they found both Mary and Joseph, and they found the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And after seeing them, the shepherds, they reported the message that they were told about the child. And again, all, everyone, who heard, they were amazed at what the shepherds had said to him. When God really allows you to experience who he is, when the Lord allows you to truly experience who he is, I believe that the appropriate response will always be peace, It will always bring joy because for me, and I believe for many of you in this room too, seeing has become believing. And so I want you to think about everything going on in your life in this season. If you have experienced God's unconditional love, if you have experienced God's unconditional love, there will be some joy in your life. If you have truly experienced God's amazing grace, your life will be full of peace and thankfulness and joy. I want you to think about this. We're we're reading this text. Up to this point, the, the word is not out yet to everyone about the birth of Jesus. Eventually, there would be a time where everyone would celebrate the birth of a Savior, but for now, it's only the shepherds. Listen, Only the shepherds knew what had happened in Bethlehem. So what do they do? What do they do? What can we learn from this? How did they respond? Look at Luke chapter 2 verse 20. And after they had seen the Christ child, the Bible says that the shepherds then returned to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. They returned to their Evermore life, but this time glorifying and praising God. When I read this account of the birth of our Savior in, in the book of Luke, I really don't think I want it to end. It, it, is, it is the greatest story ever told, and really I think there's something in me. I want, I want the story to continue. I, I want the mystery of this moment to continue And maybe that's because I think if we're really honest with one another, we all desire for our lives to have a little bit of amazement. Someone asks you how you're doing. I'm fine. Doing okay. Doing good. You ready for Christmas? Yeah. Oh, boy. I can tell you're excited. The birth of your Savior. Looking forward to it? Yeah, it's going to be good. 
What are y'all doing? I don't know. We're going to go visit some family. Boy, you're really excited about that one, aren't you? For, listen, for most of us in this gym today, our routines are pretty predictable. For many of us in this room, our schedules are a bit frantic. We're pretty programmed people. If you have children in this room, I really don't have to say more. Your kids are busy with homework and sports and dance and all the activities, all the stuff. And our days for many of us are just jam-packed <laughs> with so much activity. And I think for most of us, I think we know it's like too much. It's too much. Have you noticed how God sometimes has a way of you remind, of reminding you that it's too much? I... Uh, I didn't pay my cable bill. There's a, there's a reason I'm going to share this little story. I have a love-hate relationship with my cable company. Anybody? Can I get a witness? I feel, like, I feel like I'm paying too much. I've tried to call to have some customer service dialogue. Didn't go so well. And so in my spirit, instead of, you know, cussing out the customer service agent, which is never good for a pastor to do, <laughs> I just decided I'll show them and I won't pay my bill this month. They started doing the 800 calls for a few, you know, like four or five days in a row. I didn't answer a single one of them. I honestly didn't even know what the cutoff time was to, like, discontinue service until my wife called me one morning saying, is something wrong? I turn on the TV and it says, we don't, we didn't pay the bill. No Wi-Fi, no TV. And so for, I think we lasted about 48 hours. Is that correct? Oh, she says longer, but I just wasn't home. Therefore, I didn't realize the impact of living without cable, <laughs> internet, all the stuff. Although our phone plan has unlimited data, so meh, 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 meh. <laughs> Y'all, I'm chasing the rabbit way too far down the hole. Here's the point. I've paid the bill, the cable's restored, but you know what? Those couple, man, this is longer for Shauna, but those, those couple of nights for me, without that, it was good. It was good. It was good. And perhaps if I could redeem a little bit of that time, if you could do the same by remembering that Christmas is really all about us taking the time to focus on the angels singing, to focus on the story of the shepherds 
after they hear this glorious news, hurrying to Bethlehem to see the Christ child, to focus on what we talked about last week, Mary pondering all these things in her heart, and then in the end, thinking about the reality of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let me encourage you, do not miss out on the miracle of Christmas. It's far too easy to do. Instead, as a people, how can we learn to celebrate the presence of God in the everyday moments of life? In the smile of a friend. In the sharing of a meal. In the beauty of good music. In being a good neighbor. Seeing is believing. And I just want to remind you, God has this unique plan to use every single one of us in this room to be his witness. He's chosen us to be the ones to point others towards the birth of Jesus Christ. So can we be the people who sing who sing with more joy and passion than anyone else this incredible song, Joy to the Lord, <laughs> Joy to the World, <laughs> the Lord is come. Can we do that? Can we be a people who will turn off cable and just embrace the miracle of the birth of our Savior? You may have noticed the communion tables when you walked in this morning. Um, I want to take just a minute as we transition into this time of response today. I don't think there's a more appropriate way to focus on the Savior than to partake in communion. When we go to the table, we're reminded of two things, that Jesus gave his life on the cross. He gave his body. And that, that is representative of the bread. And then he shed his blood. That's representative of the cup. And so the Bible is really clear about taking the Lord's Supper. Uh, the, the Bible instructs us that we should never partake when there's unconfessed sin in our lives, in our heart. And the Bible says we as believers, those who have been born again, should examine themselves before they participate in receiving of the bread and the cup. So what we're going to do this morning is invite you to stay where you are for a moment, to, to take a minute or two to pray, to prepare in your heart. And then in a moment, when you feel that you're ready, if you would just move to one of the four tables, whatever is nearest to you. And I know sometimes you're like, man, we do the Lord's Supper different almost every time at Hope. You're right. So please hear the instructions today. I think one of the last times we asked you to go to the tables, there was some confusion. You didn't know whether to go ahead and eat the bread and drink the cup at the table or to bring it back to your seat. Please do that as you receive it at the table today. We won't partake of the elements together as a body, but you can receive that at the table as you're served this morning. Church, I love you. I want to encourage you. Focus on the miracle of a Savior. Let's pray together as we prepare to receive this time of communion. Heavenly Father, thank you very much. 
for allowing us to have all this different perspective on the birth of your son, Jesus, our Lord, our Messiah. And so, God, today as we look at the account of the shepherds and, God, we try to imagine how they responded, Lord, we, we can do nothing but give you glory to see how their lives were transformed. And, God, the same is true for many of us in this room, those of us who have come to know your Son as Savior and Lord. God, you've changed us. You've transformed us. Yet, God, we come before you today to say that perhaps we're not all where you want us to be. Perhaps we are too busy. Perhaps we are too distracted. God, perhaps there's something in our life that we're holding on to that we just need to lay before you and ask for forgiveness to repent of sin. God, that's what this time is for, so we ask that you would lead us. God, to prepare our hearts for what we're about to partake of. God, I believe there are probably some people here today, maybe people I've never even met, God, who are for the first time really, God, clearly beginning to understand how much you love them. And so, God, our prayer is that you would do what you promised in the Scripture, that you would, God, draw them to yourself. Draw them to you, Lord, that they might come to know you as Savior, as Lord. God, this is a precious time of year. And, Lord, we want to know all, God, of who you are. God, remind us this day and this week of the greatest gift you ever gave us, in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.